afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is Christina Pratt, and we have a wonderful guest today, uh, William Horton. But before we get on to that, I would like to first call in the spirits to join us today to hold us well, that we might speak things that have meaning and purpose in people's lives, and that people's ears might fly open, ready to hear exactly what they need to hear on this day, and be appropriately confused and inspired and made curious by it. So I call out to the ancestors. I call out to all those who are good and true and beautiful in my ancestral line and in Williams and in all those who are listening here today and in every moment that this show is listened to in downloads across space and time. I call out to all of those ancestors, those ancestors of humanity, to be with us here today to guide us. And I call out to the ancient ancestors, the Toltec people, and those who brought us the I Ching, those who brought us all the wisdom that is coming into these proceedings today, I call out to you to stand with us. We are the living, we are the future that you dreamed. Help us live it in a good way. I call out to the energy of the earth, to the great spirits below us, those great spirits of the earth that are deep and abiding and were here long before humans and will be here long after. I call out to them to hold us here today, to feel our little feet as we stand upon the earth and reach out to live better, to walk well on this planet and to be connected to each other in a way that is appropriate for the times we are living in now and those that are coming. We ask for a deeper sense of grounding and belonging, and we reach up from that groundedness into the earth to the sky, and we call out to the energies above the sky to come down to us and bring us inspiration in our hearts and minds and bellies, to bring us protection, to bring us blessing, to bring us a benevolence of the universe, and to help us to remember with each breath we can open to spirit and approach the moment in a new way. So with the energy of the earth below, the sky above, the ancestors around, may we each connect and call out to the energy of our own hearts. That amazing place within each one of us that is the same in all realms, that connects all things. We call out to the heart to be that place where we can mix the alchemy of the passions of our belly and the clarity of our mind to bring us to clarity around our own true soul's purpose. And may these proceedings here today help each one of you to live that purpose more fully. So welcome everyone today, and I'd like to welcome our guest today, William Horton. Thank you, William. Pleasure to be here, Christina. Thank you. And William um, has co-written the Toltec I Ching, 64 Keys to Inspired Action in the New World. And I'm going to invite William to introduce his co-author, artist, creator, who is not with us today, but should definitely be appropriately honored. Uh, Her name is Marta Ramirez Oropesa, and uh, we worked together and collaborated on the Toltec I Ching. She's a muralist from Mexico and the co-founder of the Nahuatl University in Ocotepec, Mexico, which uh, taught many, many people. Um, the cultural uh, history and art, dance, uh, mathematics, the uh, calendar, and the ancient codices that were handed down 
from the Toltecs and uh, through all the other people in pre-Columbian Mexico. And so we give thanks to Marta and her blessing that she brings to the earth and in particular to her fine art, her beautiful art that has illuminated the pages of the book. Yeah, she came up with 64 beautiful illustrations uh, that are originally oil on canvas. And these are um, illustrations within the book and are somewhat of a departure from an, um, an ordinary, what people would expect from an I Ching? Is that well, true? it is because um, we wanted to create a, um, a version of the I Ching that use the symbology here of the Americas as opposed to um, that of the Far East. So we used a lot of the symbology and uh, mythology of uh, ancient Mexico and the civilizations there. There's plenty of examples for, uh, you know, from the codices and monumental architecture. So let's take a minute here, and let me ask you to um, help us understand who the Toltecs are or were, okay. and what these pieces are, like codices, that they have left for us. Well, the Toltecs um, were one of the founding civilizations in ancient Mexico. They... Um, they now have come to symbolize throughout Mexico and a lot of the world a great civilizing influence. Their, their energies went into beauty, art, poetry, music, spirituality, great architecture, and a, um, and a peaceful way of looking at life. So they now have become the um, the examples that uh, many of us follow for uh, for um, what in China was called the great civilizing influence. Meaning, what does it mean to be a human being um, when everything around us is sacred? We're sacred. How do we act? And uh, what kind of a civilization do we create? So these, the, this is the ancient wisdom, then, that we're drawing on. Um, well, I should uh, let me back up a minute. So in the title, it is implied that there is a coming together of two enormous pools of ancient wisdom, that of the Toltec people and those who brought us the I Ching. So I guess my second question would be, can you tell us a little bit of where we got the I Ching? Who who are those people and why do we care about their divination tool? Well, China, of course, is one of the oldest civilizations with the most continuous written history. Um, of any of the civilizations in the world, they developed, um, in particular, shamanic practices very early on, divination being one of the main ones. Divination means that um, when we see that all matter 
the, the all form, all life, has spirit, if that spirit is one, then um, how does it speak to us? How do we listen to it? We see that there's an order in the world, and those are the, the four directions. And those four directions point to the four seasons. So despite the fact that change is unpredictable, it's also cyclic. So divinatory tools, whether they're in China or in uh, Mesoamerica, are based on the idea that change is uh, not predictable in the sense of some uh, specifics, but that it follows certain patterns. The Chinese developed the I Ching to do that, and it's uh, in its current form, it's at least uh, 3,500 years old. So, what is your sense or your inspiration of what we get that is unique and new by bringing the wisdom of these two great peoples, great civilizing influences on in humanity together into a new divination tool? Well, I think what we're doing is we're trying to go back and look at um, what are the beliefs, the worldview and the uh, practices of the mother culture from which the two sprang, because we know that the uh, the peoples uh, of ancient China or uh, Asia migrated over to the Americans. So there's actually a, uh, a sound historical uh, reason that, uh, that they, they would be joined. When we, when we bring them together, what we're looking at is the lessons that are handed down um, through the generations, uh, originally, of course, through oral tradition, but uh, then they become written. The, the, uh, those lessons are handed down through the, in the Mesoamerican tradition through the uh, divinatory calendar. It's called the Tonalpawali. And, and this is the calendar that people are excited about these days. That's the Mayan calendar that people are very uh, excited about these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> so in in putting them together at this time, we we have an opportunity to look differently or more deeply at the the mother culture. Right. And uh, to see how the um, how the symbolism uh, really moves across the two uh, divinatory systems, we're we're most interested in um, in the the way that we respond to change. We can't predict change, of course, with with any absolute certainty. But what we can do is we can predict the way that we can respond to it. And um, that has to do with ethics. And ethics are handed down through, uh, over time uh, in the form of lessons. In the form of lessons. And, and those have, you know, different names, you know, parables. Um, you, there's a lot of things that we could call them, but essentially they're lessons that, 
that we all learn. For instance, you can hear some young people say, uh, life sucks and then you die. <laughs> and that to them is a lesson that they're learning or uh, have learned already by repeating it, unfortunately. So when we come back from this break, we'll talk about what lessons they could be learning using their very own Toltec I Ching. Okay. Thank you, everyone, and we'll be back after this. Welcome back, everyone. This is Why Shamanism Now, and your host, Christina Pratt. And we are talking today about a new divination tool, a book, actually, but it is a divination tool, the Toltec I Ching. And we are speaking with one of the two authors, um, William Horton. And I wanted to back up for, oh, yes, and, as the nice lady said, the show is live today. You are welcome to call in or email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org with questions for me or for William. Uh, I wanted to back up, though, and remind people about what a divination tool is. And I was inspired listening um, to William talking because divination tools, you know, they're not really meant to predict a lottery number for you. It's, it's not about telling the future as much as it's exactly what William just said. How do you behave ethically in a world where everything's energy and everything's connected? What does that mean? How do you learn to listen? How do you learn to speak to the real world? And ultimately, the fundamental question, which I hope each week we're approaching in this show, is how do you choose to act? And you know what? I'm pretty sure y'all act really well on the good days. I have no doubt you're exquisite. What I'm interested in is how do you choose to act on the days that everything goes haywire and you are reminded oh so beautifully that you are in control of nothing. How do we choose to act when we want so badly to just end what is going on, but we can't. We don't have the power, we don't have the influence, we don't have the control. And so how do we act ourselves? What do we follow? How do we move? And my my encouragement every week for those of you that are not capable of controlling your impulses to get into some kind of transformational process, to learn to slow your impulses down so you have an opportunity to listen to the second thought or maybe the third or the fourth or perhaps to not even respond at all but to formulate a question and take it to an oracle, to take it to a divination tool. This is, for me, the thing we come to in many, many, many shows about shamanism. Why bother? I ask you all the time, why are we bothering? We are bothering because I can't imagine an adult life without a connection, a working, direct connection with spirit. It would be too hard. Even with a working connection with spirit, some days it feels too hard. So how do we, in our lives, come to spirit in a way that crafts a good question? And what is a good question? A good question gets us to an answer that if we live it in our life, it affects things in a good way. We're not looking for right and wrong. We're looking about how to behave morally and ethically in the world, in the real world. So, so part of... Why 
to the question, why do we use or need a divination tool? The, another way of framing the answer is to say that um, human life is too short to um, accrue all of the wisdom that we really need to, um, to live a sound life, a beneficial, a benevolent life. And so divination tools um, are those books and uh, practices of wisdom that have been added to for thousands of years. So what we call lessons or ethics are really nothing other than the wisdom that is, that is passed down from ancestor to ancestor um, that, that basically answers soul questions. It, they aren't just um, body questions, but uh, so it's not just passing down your ancestors' bad ideas. No, not at all, because those <laughs> tend, those tend to get weeded out pretty quick. <laughs> no, it's it's um, it's what we might think of as ethical strategies. We have to remember that um, in China, the the uh, the Jing was uh, formulated during a period of time when there were numerous kingdoms and uh, China hadn't yet been unified. So the politics was, was very, very intense. And so strategic thinking doesn't have to be uh, Machiavellian. It can be uh, enlightened. And much of the efforts in uh, China as well as Mesoamerica was to create enlightened leaders. And, uh, of course, that was done again by uh, trying to instill in them the wisdom that was uh, handed down through thousands and thousands of lives. So I, this, I find this really interesting because I happen to have a little bit of inside information here, and I know that the Toltec I Ching was actually completed as a manuscript um, ten years ago. And now it's available, and I find that really interesting because the timing is so potent. And so I'm just wondering how you feel like, about, you know, why do we need this new oracle today? Like, what's going on today that we need like that time in China? It's a pretty intense time. It's an intense time, and um, folks... I think find themselves beset, you know, on all sides by uh, fear mongering and uh, uh, attempts to help them, you know, get distracted from uh, from their lives. And uh, so, the the intensity of the situation, whether you think of it as social or political, is is probably as high now as it's ever been in any time in history on a global level. But on the other hand, we have tools that we've never had before. Um, the Internet, for example, gives us the possibility uh, not just of getting distracted and information overload, but it gives us the possibility of instant communication with um, uh, you know, potentially everyone on the planet. Uh, and instantly is the word there. So I think that this is a this is a process of um, actual democratization, uh, where people can actually communicate.
communicate their ideas, they can learn. More people know more about everything than at any time in history. So perhaps now more than any time in history, we need the wisdom of how to move move in such a time in a good way, in an ethical way. Well, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I know anything. <laughs> um, so, yes, wisdom is the opposite uh, or is, is the evolution of, of just knowledge. So a, a lot of people, you know, will say, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, that kind of thing but they actually haven't done it, and they actually haven't been there. But they've read about it, uh, or they've heard about it, uh, because so many things are discussed uh, openly everywhere. But uh, to be able to actually um, open ourselves to spirit and to be able to listen is, uh, is a step that... I think a lot of folks want to take, but they have a hard time with it. Um, they're, they're not sure um, if they're imagining something or if something's actually happening, um, you know, issues like that. I think, uh, as we've talked before, the exercise that I found very useful was um, to pretend for a moment that I'm dead just to take it seriously and to say, now I'm one of the ancestors. What is it that I would want to be whispering in the ear of the living? And that has really sensitized me to what to listen for. Um, And I think that it has to do with things like don't trivialize my life, don't waste energy, don't um, in, engage in negative emotions. Don't take things personally. Don't make things personal. Um, forgive quicker than you imagine possible. Um, establish uh, benevolent relationships. Don't worry about how other people are treating me. I should be worrying about how I'm treating other people. So um, these are the kinds of things that I have actually heard that I've tried to pay attention to and uh, put into practice in my life, among others. But that, to me, that exercise really has helped a number of people that I've mentioned it to because they begin to understand that what they're listening for is real things. You know, not, um, well, I don't know, you know, not the... But the the point is that the divination tools help us listen. They do. They do. They really, they open us up and they make us more sensitive. So... And they're not self-glorifying. I think that's the other thing. They they really help to, to put us into life, not make us the center of it. So, just not because I think it's possible that, of course, not everybody listening to the show has ever um, asked the I Ching for guidance. And so, which is what we're going to do next, is we're going to ask the oracle for guidance. But um, similar to the process with the I Ching, there are coins involved. And so when we go into this next break, 
um, William is going to throw the coins and to to give us a live divination here on um, on our show today. But I thought I'd give you just take a quick minute. We only have two minutes until the next break. Just a quick minute about the coins. Okay. What you're going to be doing while we're off the air for a minute. Okay. Well, um, uh, a hexagram is the is the symbolic form in the I Ching that's used, and there's 64 of those. They have six lines that are either broken or solid. And so um, uh, three coins are thrown six times. And those six throws um, determine those six lines of the hexagram. Um, So that's what we will do um, during the break, so that as we come into the next session, we will be... um, William will be translating the answer from the oracle of our question. And the question that we crafted for today, we're going to go with our same question? Yes. Okay. So our question is, what do people need to know today to transform from wherever they are into people of courageous hearts? So I'll say that again. What do people need to know today to transform from wherever they are into people of courageous hearts? So this is our divinatory question today, and we will William will put it to the oracle, the new oracle, the Tolstic I Ching, and will then give us an interpretation as we come back um, from this next break. So um, there, there are the 64 hexagrams, but then there's also changing lines, and there may be changing lines. Can you give us a quick little 30 seconds on a changing line? Right, because there's six lines in a hexagram, and uh, because uh, um, you have four possibilities with the heads and tails. Two heads and a tail, two tails and a head. Those are, those are lines that don't change. Three heads or three tails, and those do change into their opposite. And so if, if, you have a, um, if you have three heads, then that's a, that's a solid line that changes into a broken, and vice versa, three tails is a broken line that changes into a solid. This is, again, a practice that's been in, in, uh, in play for several thousand years. And now you all know why I'm letting William throw the coins and sort that part out. <laughs> so, everyone, please come back to us after this next break. And when we have an answer from the Oracle of what do people need to know today to transform from wherever they are into people of courageous hearts. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Why Shamanism Now, and this is your host, Christina Pratt. And our guest today is William Horden, who is co-author of The Toltec I Ching. And we have posed a question to the Oracle, and that question is, what do people need to know today to transform from wherever they are into people of courageous hearts? And the coins have been thrown, and William will now share with us the wisdom the Oracle has for each of us. Well, the first hexagram, and there are a couple of changing lines, the first hexagram is thought of as the present situation. The line changes are thought of as the trends that are developing out of that. And then the second hexagram that's formed when those lines change is thought of as the evolving or the future situation. So I'm going to start by reading the first situation, hexagram 47. We begin by describing the illustration. At the edge of the rainforest, a male warrior wearing a jaguar necklace 
gazes into a mirror from which smoke arises. Within the smoking mirror, the warrior's reflection takes the form of a jaguar. So then there's an interpretation of that. It goes like this. This hexagram depicts the individual who both steps outside the flow of the generation and unites them. The male warrior symbolizes the way of testing and training human nature that increases its versatility and fortitude. The jaguar necklace symbolizes your true self, united with the lineage of spiritual ancestors and living descendants. The smoking mirror symbolizes the work of self-reflection required to see through all our roles and pretenses in order to see our true self. That his reflection takes the form of a jaguar means that the true self blends into its surroundings so as to avoid drawing attention to its actual movement. That he stands at the edge of the rainforest means that the encounter with the true self occurs spontaneously and naturally once the desert of aloneness and self-discipline has been crossed. Taken together, these symbols mean that you embody the true self, free of artifice, self-interest, or compulsions. There's a section below that called intent, and I'm going to read that very quickly. To be an individual means, in part, to no longer be unduly influenced by others a state that is attained by stripping away all the social conditioning we have accepted since birth. But this state merely initiates true individuality, which is fashioned from all the subsequent decisions we make on our own, in particular the sense of responsibility for others, as well as the deep-seated desire for companionship and community appear to be essential values of the true self, consciously deciding to pursue the goals and values of the true self means that we continue to do many of the things we did before awakening to its presence. We just do them differently. We act with a higher purpose in mind. We derive a deeper meaning from our experiences and we bring a greater quality of benefit to the lives of others. In this way, true individuals are more profoundly a part of their surroundings than those in whom the true self yet dreams. So that's describing the, the present situation, and we're putting it in context of the question again. What do people need to know today to transform from wherever they are into people of courageous hearts? There's been two line changes, and those go like this. The window of opportunity opens. From the very beginning, 
you display all the signs of one intent on accomplishing great things. You are an intrinsic part of the times and perfectly attuned to the needs and drives of your contemporaries. Take care to balance your intellect with loving kindness. And the other line change is this. Do not rest on your past accomplishments. Although the hour seems late, your most meaningful work lies ahead. With the help of strong allies, the pinnacle of your monument pierces the highest cloud. Helping people clear away long-standing ills, you are bathed in the glow of homecoming. So what is all of this telling us about the present relative to the question? I think the, 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 the central point here in, in this hexagram is recognizing that the true self is something that uh, we're born with, but it gets covered over very quickly by conditioning um, that happens within the family, mm-hmm. society, school, the media, um, the news, everything that comes at us. Uh, language itself is a tremendous uh, formative agent, and it shapes the ways that we see the world. Um, in English, we say that a woman gives birth, but in Spanish, they say a woman gives light. Dar hmm. luz, you know, to give light. So even, even just the simplest kinds of um, differences in language change the perception of the world and our relationship to it. So uh, all of these things are thought of as the conditioning of the true self, and it creates a kind of artificial self. It, um, it's not you know, that it's bad or good or something, but it's based on all of the roles and responsibilities that we've taken on in our lives. Um, and it's not ultimately rewarding. And it uh, it does not lead to authenticity. So the true self is the thing that we are trying to, um, very much like a buried treasure, we're trying to uncover. It's ours by right. In fact, we actually covered it over. We hid it. We buried it in the first place to protect it. It's um, It can also be thought of as another form of soul retrieval because... Uh, in, uh, in Chinese uh, shamanism, it's thought of as the yang or yang element that flies away as soon as the social conditioning begins. And uh, it hides and protects itself until we are ready. We've stabilized our lives, we've gained wisdom, and we've started to uh, prune away the, uh, the social conditioning so that we can call it back and... Uh, it comes back in its pristine and pure form. So in terms of the present, those listening, my interpretation is, those listening have already stepped onto that path. They are already attempting to reawaken their true self and um, and to make themselves individuals that are seeking freedom in every sense of the word. The, uh, the line changes are very optimistic because they're pointing to creative, 
um, beneficial uh, actions and, and uh, interactions with other people. So then, how does the um, how does the first one then of the present relate to the what it changes into? Is that function as part of the reading? That's the line changes are that function. In other words, those line changes are like the bridges mm-hmm. that create the next one. Mm-hmm. And so um, that making individual, which is the name of this hexagram, making individual, becoming an individual, um, is now leading into this, this second hexagram, which is called cultivating character. And that's number 21 in the book. And should I read from that now? Well, we're almost going to go to a break. So just in terms of, um, I think we'll read from it when we come back. Okay. But just in terms of putting this into terms of people and action and thinking, um, what I'd like to do when we come back in the next break is to be able to talk to people about how they could use this in their lives to live in a better way. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back, and we'll complete the interpretation of our oracle here today, our answer to our question, and continue to talk about how we can apply this kind of spiritual information to our everyday taking actions in the world kind of life. Thank you all for listening. Welcome back, everyone. This is Why Shamanism Now, and your host, Christina Pratt, and we are consulting the oracle from the Toltec I Ching, co-authored by uh, William Horton, who is our guest today, and his sister-in-law, Marta. And we are in the middle of the oracle, so we have gone from um, making an individual and speaking of the true self and the possibility that those who are listening today might actually be on that path, which would be lovely. And, and because of the changing lines, this hexagram is moving into the, the future one, the one that, the hexagram that represents the future, and this one is named Cultivating Character. And so William is going to continue with the... Um, uh, explanation or the, I don't know what the technical term is. For the, the reading. The reading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, William. Well, the image of this reads like this. A female warrior hoes a cornfield amid inhospitable mountains. She has no one to help her, yet her crop is strong and vital. The interpretation reads like this. This hexagram depicts the inevitable success of those who develop an undefeatable will to make their own place in the world. The female warrior symbolizes the way of nurturing and encouraging human nature that increases its sensitivity and loving kindness. That she cultivates the cornfield means that you nurture something that will nurture you, especially by resolutely weeding out any influences that might keep your efforts from bearing fruit. That she lives and works amid inhospitable mountains means that you find a way to adapt even to the most difficult situations. Raising a strong crop without help means that you succeed because you do not rely on others to do your hard work for you. Taken together, these symbols mean that you use your circumstances to refine your inner nature. And there's a summary at the end I'm going to read real quick. It goes like this. 
repeating the same act over and over. You are making yourself a worthy instrument of life by wearing away all that is petty and self-destructive. Though the outer reward may not be substantial, your diligence polishes your spirit into a priceless jewel. Use routine and repetition to build inner skills that can carry over into any field of endeavor. The momentum is with you. So, um, in answering the question, how uh, how do we transform from wherever we are into a real person uh, with a courageous heart? Um, this uh, this hexagram, this situation, points to the really ancient lesson that is handed down uh, in, in many cultures, and that is that we have to make meaningful routines out of our daily life, that it, they can't be empty routines. Uh, we, this is called uh, you know, the, the life and practice of a spirit warrior. It is to, um, to understand that there's an enemy within that, uh, of self-defeating behavior, of self-defeating habits. And uh, we need to confront that. And, uh, and because, it, because our self-defeating habits can enter at any moment, the spirit warrior really needs to be uh, vigilant every moment. And we do that by... Uh, by investing the routines, the actions that we take over and over every day with more meaning. We open it up to listening. In other words, I'm not just creating the meaning. I'm listening for meaning. I'm trying to discover new meaning. Um, it's, it's, it's a basic tenet of shamanism that all form, all matter, has spirit. And uh, so to see a tree or a rock course, other people and animals, the stars themselves, the night sky, subatomic particles, all of these things have spirit, and spirit speaks. We as spirit speak, so we need to listen to what we're saying, but we also need to listen to what um, inanimate objects as well as people and animals are saying, and we do that through routine. So, William, would this be like my mom teaching me that I had to set the table every night when I was a child, Mm -hmm. but she taught me to begin out in the garden asking what flowers wanted to come to be on the table, and and that the whole act of setting the table wasn't a chore. It was this opportunity to create this space of beauty for the meal to be placed into. I mean, I I certainly wouldn't have said it that way at four, but that's what I realized now she was doing, and it was the same thing over and over and over again, but it had great meaning and purpose. Right. It's it's exactly like that. One of the the terrible moments in in a lot of children's lives is, you know, up up until a certain age, the parent goes in and, and makes a game of cleaning up the toys and things in their room, and that picking things up is all about play and fun. And then there's that day that the parent says, go in and clean up your room. You know, and it's no longer fun. It's no longer meaningful. And um, it, it's, a, it's a very 
kind of a traumatic moment for a lot of children because the meaningfulness of it, the energy of it, has shifted from something positive to something negative. So we are challenging everyone listening to find the most routine, empty, blah thing they find themselves doing every day and to listen deeply and to find a way to infuse that action with its true meaning that is latent there but has been covered up or forgotten? It's like watering the desert. You know, if if you water the desert, seeds that you can't see will sprout suddenly and you will have wildflowers and trees and all kinds of things coming up. And on that note of beauty... We need to end here today. Thank you so much, William. Thank you and Marta for this amazing new tool for us at this time. I, I was remiss in my duties, everyone. William's site is um, thetolticiching.com. So T-H-E-T-O-L-T-E-C-I-C-H-I-N-G.com. And you can order the book through the site. Um, thank you, William. Thank, thank you, Marta. Thank you, ancestors, to the energy of the earth and the sky. We give great thanks and to the heart that unites us all. And to all of you who have listened to us here today, we give thanks and go out and find that meaning.